DNA structure from A to B. Richard Dickinson and Hallwing NG. University of California, Los Angeles, US. Commentary PNAS 2001. P. Shing Ho and his colleagues at Oregon State and Berkeley published in this issue of PNAS an interesting study of helical structure in the DNA hexamer GGC-GCC, finding that various states that appear to be logical intermediates between ADNA and BDNA can be induced by methylation or promination of cytosine or by crystal packing. Their results bear on three issues that have been argued over in the past. 1. The differences between ADNA and BDNA and transitions between them. 2. The intrinsic sequence dependent malleability of DNA duplex. And 3. The effects of local helix packing on DNA fine structure. The 6 X-ray crystal structure analysis that provided the proposed intermediates in this and an early study are listed in Table 1. The first three are straightforward, with one DNA helix per symmetric unit or eight helices per tetragonal unit cell. The next three, however, are unusual. These crystals have three or four distinct hexamer helices per symmetric unit identical in sequence and crystallizing conditions, but differenting in their local environment within the resulting crystals. Ferguson and others interpret these helical structures as intermediates between true A and B structures, characterizing them as composite helices E and F, extended helices G and H, or A slash B intermediates, helices I, J and K. Helices A to D are the B form, and helices I and M are the A form. Together, these are stated to form a series of 13 hexamers that bridges the entire range from BDNA to ADNA. The use of label I in the Table 2 in Referment 1 would appear to be a non nomenclature error. If so, the structure progression then has 40 members rather than 13. All three unique helices in the tetragonal crystals of GGC-GGG plus spermine adopt the B form, but the four independent molecules in each of the trigonal crystal forms having methylated or brominated CD3 exhibit at least three different helical types which leaves the reader puzzled and wishing to know more. Three of the four helices in one crystal are said to form a planar canopy in the A to B plane, whereas the fourth helix rises perpendicular to its canopy along the C axis. Of the three helices in the canopy, one is ADNA, whereas the other two are a to B intermediates, similar to that reported earlier for CAT, GGG, CCC, ATG, and proposed for CCCC, GGGG, and GGGG, CCCC in solution. This perturbation of DNA helix structure by crystal environment cries out for careful analysis.
The asserting 13 or 14 helical structures can be grouped into a series extending from BDNA to ADNA, which is attempted in figure 2 and 3 of Ferguson and others. The most compelling parameter for their sequential arrangement is X displacement, or the displacement of a base pair away from the helix axis in the direction of the base pair short axis. This feature makes BDNA with near zero X displacement a stack of base pairs along the helix axis and gives ADNA with large negative X displacement its central hole. If a single parameter must be chosen with which to follow the B2A helix transition, then X displacement obviously is the parameter of choice. The inclination of a base pair away from perpendicularity to the helix axis measured along its long axis is less helpful than one would expect. It has been common or received knowledge from fiber diffraction that base pairs in BDNA were perpendicular to the helix axis whereas those in a DNA were inclined by 15 to 20 degree. Yet single crystal structures analysis have failed to bear that out. Observed inclinations of base pairs in a DNA crystals are much less generally in the range of 5 degree to 12 degree. The present study of Ferguson and others shows little or no correlation between helix type and base pair inclination angle unless the composite and extended helices EH are arbitrarily deleted from the analysis. Part of the problem with inclination as a parameter is that in short helical segments such as these hexamers, inclination can be confused with local helix bending. The change in base pair orientation from one end of helix D to the other is easy to see in the figure 2, for example. It can be ascribed to inclination, but much the same appearance would result in the helix segments where simply bent and its center in a direction that compresses the major groove at the right. Indeed, if the hexamer helix were bent and its center, then the inclination relative to an overall unbent axis would have one sense at the beginning of the helix, the opposite sense one half turn of the helix later, and the original sense again after a full turn. Careful examination of the figure 3 shows that this reversal of inclination is exactly what is observed in helix D and to a lesser extent in helices C, E, G and H. Hence, there is no compelling evidence for changes in inclination along with the B to A series, but only for local helix bending the latter probably induced by crystal packing. This inclination versus bending issues illustrates how longer runs of helix than a half-turn hexamer become critical. The parametal slide or relative motion of two stacked base pairs along the long axis does appear to map the transition between B and A well. This slide behavior confirms an early and still cogent explanation by Kaledin and Drew of the B to A transition as a beam driven by space stacking and evolving the two helix parameters slide and roll. Figure 1 shows the effect on an ideal BDNA helix 
of uh, supplying B a 1.5 Armstrong slide or C a plus 12 degree roll and then D applying both slide and roll simultaneously slide without roll pushes the base pairs off axis and creates the central hole that is typical of the A fiber ADNA and roll without slide forces the base pair to become inclined to the helix axis without displacing them from the axis. Slide push roll creates the familiar idealized ADNA helix in which base pairs are both inclined to some degree and shifted off the helix axis. It would be interesting to examine all of the helices of the Ferguson and other studies to see where they could be mapped successfully onto a collagen drew transition pathway. Deoxyribose sugar pucker correlates well with slide. All of the helices with large negative slide of circa minus 2.5 Armstrong G2M exhibit the C3 prime endo sugar conformation of ADNA. Those helices with little or no negative slide a to D are described as having the C2 prime endo sugars that conventionally are associated with BDNA. The two intermediate extended helices E and F are hybrids in which the first three sugars along each strand are C3 prime endo, whereas the last three sugars vary from C2 prime endo through C1 prime exo to O4 prime endo. There is a sound mechanical reason why high slide helices should exhibit C3 prime endo sugars, whereas low slide helices are more variable. As figure 3a shows, sliding base pair 1 to the right of a base pair 2 pushes sugar ring 1 against the phosphate group and the resulting pressure is relieved by allowing the 3' prime carbon of the sugar ring to buckle toward the slide of the ring away from the phosphate to the end side. Hence, a high slide ADNA helix requires C3' prime endo sugar puckering. This strain is absent in the B form, with essentially zero slide and its sugar rings consequently are free to adopt a greater range of conformations from C3 prime exo through C2 prime endo to C1 prime exo to O4 prime endo and C4 one exo to the C3 prime endo that is demanded by an A helix. Figure 2 illustrates how restricted the ADNA helix is and how broad the distribution of BDNA is. In summary, what is to be concluded from the Bergeson and other studies of GGC-GCC-based hexamers? The first caution is that one must be careful about overinterpreting the geometry of a short half-turn of the helix. Inclination can be confused with bending, for example. In addition, it is sobering to consider that different helix types can be observed at different locations in the same crystal form. That the DNA helix itself is highly malleable 
and susceptible to outside influences. Yet, in a sense, that is one of the strengths of DNA. It is not a rigid, repetitive helix. Neither is it a rigid entity with sequence-determined local structure variations. Rather, its analysis of DNA alone and in complexes with proteins have both shown the DNA duplex exhibit sequence-dependent deformability or a potential of being deformed that varies from one part of the base sequence to another. This significant demonstration by Bagusen and others of true intermediates between A-DNA and B-DNA obtained under relatively mild conditions shows that A-DNA and B-DNA are not two separate isolated conformations. Rather, they resemble the distinctions between liberal and conservative in a political arena. Everyone can define the difference between a liberal and a conservative, which is legitimate distinction. Yet the differences offered will vary with the speaker, and an ideological continuum exists from one camp to another. One person's conservative can be another person's liberal, especially if he is nubbed by the White House. We all can define the extreme prototypes, but who until whomever shall maintain the one extreme must have one set of properties and only those, whereas the other extreme must have opposite properties. A-DNA and B-DNA are useful boundary extremes with which to classify DNA, but they in no sense are bottomless local potential minima, intermediates to exist and exist under the mildest conditions. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestion, review or article you would like to listen to, follow me on Twitter by reading or send me an email info.pub.reading at gmail.com. Let's connect.